Namaste and Hariyom. This is your host Kishore Trivedi welcoming you to this episode of All About Dharma radio program on Radio Naira. As you know, this is part of Know Your Dharma initiative of the Hindu Society of North Carolina and all the past recordings can be found under the KYD tab of hsnctemple.org webpage. Today, I am very happy to welcome our guest, Anagha or Anu, who is an electrical engineer and a former hardware chip designer, a mom of two teens, a yoga teacher, and currently an MBA student in the Keenan Flagler Business School at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. So uh, first, uh, Anagha, how about explaining the meaning of your name and bringing in at least one of the verses from Bhagavad Gita. Sure. Um, thank you for giving me this opportunity um, to be here talking to you about dharma. Uh, my name, Anagha, was given to be by my grandmother, my daddy, um, who was very well read. Um, and I understand that my name occurs three times in Gita, in the third chapter, 14th, and the 15th chapter. So I'm going to recite the 15th, um, 20th verse, uh, since um, I know 15th chapter by heart. So it goes like this. Um, so this is the last verse in the 15th chapter. Uh, and here Anag um, is the name given by Krishna to Arjun, which means sinless or pure. So if you look at just the, the word Anag, Agha means impure. And by adding a na, um, the word is, uh, it's a negation. Um, and the female form of Anag is referred to as Anagha. Um, I recently found out that there is an entire stotra dedicated to Anagha Devi. So um, I'm still finding the meaning of my word, uh, uh, name um, as I get older. Anagha, can you tell us more about how you learned about Hinduism while growing up in India during your school and college days? Um, yeah, you know, I grew up in Maharashtrian family in Indore. Um, I lived in a three-generational household with uh, values for education in Indian culture. And I think that three-generational household um, impacted my uh, development significantly. Um, there was less emphasis on rituals um, as I was growing up, and that's what I remember. My grandparents' um, role was significant um, uh, as a little kid. Um, there was a lot of Gita recitation, Dasbodh, Ganeshwari. Um, I used to go with my grandma, my dadi, uh, to listen to Kirtankars. Uh, the Kirtankars are people who sing um, and tell the stories of Mahabharata and um, you know, Ramayana, Gita. Um, and they have a beautiful way to tell the stories while singing couplets and then you know, telling the meaning of it. Um, uh, also, Bhakti Sangeet was a very um, central part for any celebration. My Nanaji's side, my mama and mommy, Mossies were all very good singers, including my mom. And so any, um, you know, uh, Janmashtami or uh, Ram Navi, there was a lot of music in the family. And so, you know, the festivals, the celebrations um, were a little bit different than the uh, other traditional Hindu families, but uh, there was a lot of... Um, emphasis that was given to uh, scriptures and the meaning behind those scriptures. Uh, my maternal grandfather, Nanaji, he taught me Gita. Um, so I still uh, recite 15th Adhyay uh, very regularly. 
And um, you know, after my father's passing a year ago, uh, my favorite uh, shloka right now uh, is from chapter second, uh, which is Najayate mriyateva kadachin nayam bhutva bhavitava nabhuya ajonityaha shashvatoyam purano nahanyate hanyamane sharire. Um, which means that, you know, Atma is not born, um, nor does it ever die. Um, you know, just we have many other shlokas which talk about Atma, but basically Atma is unborn. It's ancient. Uh, it cannot be killed after the body dies. And um, after losing my father, this uh, shlok has helped me to recover from the loss. Um, another very... A uh, favorite shloka of mine is from chapter 12. So, you know, in my family, 12th and 15th Adhyay were recited quite often. Um, the 12th is the Bhakti Yoga and 15th is the Purushottam Yoga. So Purushottam Yoga is like embedded, you know, you have to say it all the time. But the 12th, uh, the Bhakti Yoga, this is my favorite uh, verse. Maya Veshya Mano Yemam Nitya Yukta Upasate Shraddhaya Parayo Petaha which means that those who concentrate their minds on uh, Bhagwan, Bhagwan, um, and with full faith they seek Him, uh, they are dear to Him. So when I say Him, uh, you know, this is uh, Bhagwan Uvachi. So Krishna is saying that if you concentrate your mind on Me, and uh, if you have full faith in Me, uh, if you are seeking Me, then you are dear to Me. And I think that verse is also very important. I saw my grandfather, my dada, who literally lived Gita. He practiced yoga and pranayama and imbibed preachings of Gita in his uh, daily life. And he passed away at the age of 91 with no ailments. Um, he had a huge impact on me. And after he passed away is when I started practicing meditation at the age of 19. Uh, and I still do it. So, you know, um, I feel my grandparents um, had a huge impact on me. And then, of course, my parents, you know, they both took voluntary retirement. Um, they dedicated their life to yoga. Um, they went to villages teaching yoga um, in BSF, the Border Security Force camps. And they held yoga workshops even in many U.S. cities, um, all free, for free of charge. Um, they both studied Gita and Das both and gave exams. Um, so I think the scriptures, the Adhyatma was uh, embedded part of my life growing up. Wonderful. And then, uh, Anika, you moved to U.S. for graduate school. Can you tell us how different the practice of Hinduism was for you while in grad school? And how did uh, your uh, earlier understanding of the scriptures help you uh, in your um, stay during the graduate school? Um, yeah, you know, I came as a student to U.S. in 1995, January. There was a big cultural shock. I was 22 years old. Um, you know, quite young to understand the different culture that exists in U.S. You know, we didn't have that time, the kind of, you know, telecommunication that we have now. Um, and I feel like, you know, Gita or Adharva Shirsha, Ram Raksha Stotra recitation, as well as daily meditation practice, it helped me to boost my confidence. Um, I moved in as a paying guest with a Maharashtrian family um, after maybe three weeks being in the U.S., 
And again, I, I, I think this was God's grace that I found this family. Um, I was living in the suburbs of LA while pursuing my master's. Um, and um, the Marathi family, they provided me with the continued Marathi culture and traditions that helped me to absorb the shocks of being alone. Um, you know, I, I was doing like three to four jobs during the day. I had my classes during the day as well as some in the evening. Um, and when I used to walk back home um, daily in the night at 10 p.m., it was a good 25 minute uh, or more walk. Um, I used to recite my shloka, especially Gita 15th um, Adhyay, Pandra Adhyay, Pandra Adhyay. Um, and it was, it acted like a kavach, you know, it was like a protection around me. It gave me a lot of confidence that I was safe. You know, this is LA suburb, so it wasn't, you know, um, an easy place, right? Um, I was always on the lookout of cops' cars since I knew that that was the time of the change of duty for the cops. And, um, you know, I strongly feel that the one year that uh, while as a student, I was scrambling with graduate classes and three to four jobs on campus to support my financials, um, the hardships of a grad student and, you know, how emotionally you're vulnerable being alone for the first time. <laughs> um, I think the foundation of samskaras that my family gave that helped me to overcome all those barriers um, that kept me focused on my goal and it gave me the strength to make the right decisions, which was very important at that time. I know whether this is right or this is wrong or choosing the friends, who do you decide is the right person that you can rely on? And I think it helped me significantly. Yeah, you point out something very important that all of us need to do, that is, uh, if there are particularly female, uh, but also male students uh, in the colleges around here, we should start doing this um, uh, host family-like program so that they have something to fall back on uh, when, when there, there is a need. And so I, I wonder how we can do that and we should think about doing that. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, the next uh, uh, next uh, issue is that uh, once uh, you finish college, uh, you uh, then got married and had kids. I know you have two wonderful uh, uh, sons. And uh, so raising them as Hindu children uh, was clearly a challenge. So how did you, how did you cope with that? Um, yeah, you know, we lived in Purdue University uh, prior to we moved to Chapel Hill. And uh, Purdue is a very small um, town. Uh, with a very smaller actually Indian population. Um, and uh, my husband is a faculty, um, so he was, he was a faculty at Purdue. Um, we made the decision to continue the tradition of three generational household. And I think that was a very important decision. My, my husband also grew up in a three generational um, household. And we both uh, strongly felt that it gave both of us the value system that helped us to uh, you know, be strong and be confident in our skin. Um, and so having grandparents uh, allowed my kids to have the Indian environment as they were growing up. You know, we didn't have to send our kids to daycare. Um, given how hectic my job um, in the semiconductor industry was, and, you know, so was my husband's. Um, you know, at the same time, um, I made sure that both my kids, they learned to read and write Marathi language. Um, so, you know, they both attended the Marathi school and my selfish interest was they, you know, Marathi, Devnagari script um, will allow them to even read Hindi, right? Um, my oldest son, so I paint and sing a lot. 
And my older son has taken up the painting and the art from me, while my younger one um, is more into music. And uh, that allowed my younger one also to read Hindi script and sing. He doesn't have to, you know, translate the English, right? And the pronunciation now is so accurate that, you know, I feel like he gets the music or he understands the meaning of the song, which is very important. Um, we celebrate Hindu festivals with a twist. Um, by involving the kids um, into all the festivals. So for instance, Dashera, um, every year I would ask my kids and their friends to come. And this was not just Indian, but any uh, you know, race kids could come. And uh, we would make a cereal box, uh, like you know, 10 heads of Ravan. And then I would ask each kid to put um, one bad habit that they want to quit that we would use the post-it to put on the cereal box. We would all decorate the faces. And then in the campfire in the backyard, we would burn um, the head of the Ravan. But the whole idea of uh, burning the Dashera uh, or you know, celebrating Dashera was not about killing Ravan, but it was about how do you get rid of your bad habits? Oh, wonderful, wonderful. And uh, we, and uh, similarly Diwali, you know, we celebrate Diwali, uh, with something called Diwari Pahat, where we do a music uh, session of two hours. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it ends with a gluten-free vegan food because my youngest son has very severe food allergies. Uh, but he's big into music and Diwari Pahat is something that I grew up with in Indore. That, you know, you go, you wake up in the morning, you do a Bhyanga Snan, uh, you know, the early morning, um, uh, you know, take shower after oil massage and everything. And then you go and listen to music. And these are, this is a classical uh, music sessions. Uh, we modified a little bit, but we still stick to the classical regime. And it just is a beautiful feeling in the morning of Diwali. So, you know, that is something that we celebrate. Similarly, Ganpati, um, you know, for last 10, 15 years, I have been making biodegradable um, Ganesh from rice flour. And I taught it to my kids also. So we all make the rice flour ganpati. Um, and then the decoration, the aras that we make is out of Legos because that's what both my boys are into. So for instance, last year we made Harry Potter theme. So kids made the entire Harry Potter set and then they had their um, Ganesha sitting in between or every year they have a new theme. And I think that gets the kids into, like my kids now are teens, right? My older one is actually 21. Um, but he still feels very involved because it's not, like I think, it is from their perspective, the celebration is happening. Um, and uh, that has, I think, helped me, uh, you know, inculcate that Indian culture in them. Um, uh, basically, it's like an experiential learning, you know, involving the kids to celebrate um, the Indian festival. Also, I think it's important to teach the kids how to be confident in their own skin. So, you know, my oldest son, he's at Stanford right now, finishing up his uh, undergrad and masters. And, he still is a vegetarian and he does not feel, he doesn't get bothered with the fact that he's vegetarian uh, because, you know, he's, he's perfectly okay with the fact that he believes in not eating meat, you know? So I think our culture, our food, our music, everything, you know, we, we have to teach our kids uh, that it's okay to be different because diversity is what is valued these days also. I mean, even earlier. Um, and, uh, you know, in, in, when I was raising my kids in Purdue as well as in Chapel Hill today, there are not many Indian kids their age, even their school here. The, you know, we have a lot of 
lot, you know, bigger density of Indian population in Kerry, Morrisville area, but unfortunately not here in Chapel Hill. Um, but I felt like they were able to carry themselves very confidently, um, you know, with whatever uh, they were raised as. So I feel practicing equality uh, rather than inferiority or superiority complex is very important. And when I say equality complexes, you should never feel that your culture is better, but at the same time, you should never feel that, oh, you know, my culture or my parents have an accent or something like that. You know, I think everybody has an accent. Everybody has their own differences. And I think if we teach our kids how to embrace that, I think they will, they'll be able to, you know, get into the, the mainstream of American, uh, you know, very easily. I think what the ideas that you, you have provided here should be shared on a wider scale. I think uh, this uh, making biodegradable rice flour during uh, uh, Ganapati celebration. Uh, have you participated in the Ganapati festival that we have at the Hindu Society of North Carolina? Have yes, yes. In fact, you know, my son usually sings in that and I also have performed a few times. We definitely come for darshan every year. But you, I think uh, you have to teach uh, kids about this uh, biodegradable rice flour and things like that. Oh, I would love to. I mean, it's it's very easy and it's it's a lot of fun because that's when the kids actually, I, I personally feel that, you know, one good thing about our Hindu culture is it's forgiving. Nobody's going to say, why did you make Ganesh like this, you know? And I think it is the creativity from inside that is coming out. So I, I feel it's a great way to expose kids to um, uh, our values. And also the Dasera thing that you mentioned, burning one bad habit and the Diwali, Pahat, uh, uh, gluten-free, all these are great ideas. And so we need to, we need to uh, perhaps think about how to, uh, how to share these ideas with a lot more people. I would love yeah. to. Don't go away. We'll be right back after the commercial break. <laughs> <laughs> 